0: Welcome, welcome, welcome in everybody to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. You may notice some different stuff about this show. It's a weekend show, right? No intro or anything. Uh, that's because I my power is out in my entire block, so I can't. I don't have access to my usual setup, but I'm on a little bit of a temporary setup here. So please bear with me, and my apologies for the uh, the, the microphone quality and all that stuff. Um, I'll try my best to uh, keep it keep it from from derailing the show too bad because we have some draft picks to talk about. It's day two of the draft, but before I hop into all of that, first I gotta tell you that today's episode is brought to you by Nugenics. Number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC. Get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics, Nugenics Total Tea. Uh, you can do that and you can text DRAFT to 231-231 one uh and so let's start i guess with the fact that the entire second round evaporated without the Vikings trading up and i am stunned. I'm very shocked. And I think I'd i be stunned if they don't trade up and they didn't trade it up. And uh, I'm stunned. So that's really interesting, especially like it's Rick Spielman. He trades up. It's like what he does. So what gives here? And I think it, it, it communicates to us a few different things. There's some insights we can take from the fact that they didn't trade down because, or that they, they didn't trade up and that they didn't trade down, honestly. Uh, but th- that they didn't trade up tells us that they were really high on the guys they took, that the guys they took were people they, didn't, they thought they may have had to trade up for and didn't, right? Because they had so much capital, it would have been so easy for them to trade up if they really, really wanted one. So that they didn't tells us, that, ooh, these guys are falling. That's exciting. And if those guys fall into our lap, we're just going to slam it at the podium. So that has to describe all of these players. And so that informs all of these picks, right? These are guys they were excited about. This isn't, you know, you can't call it a panic pick to take Kellen Mond. You can't call it something they did because of the pressure of the hot seat or whatever to take Kellen Mond. I think that'd be insane even if you did. But if there were this crazy pressure, A, they probably would have traded more for Justin Fields on uh, night one. And B, they probably would have traded up to make sure they got the quarterback of their choice. Um, But they let the draft come to them. I think that's defensible, right? And maybe they have evaluations on guys that are different than mine. Maybe they're also, of of the players that went in the second round, they just weren't that high on all those guys. Maybe they weren't that high on Carlos Basham or Aziz who are the two edge rushers that went before they picked at 66. They obviously weren't that high on Joseph Asai, who they did not take, and instead they took a quarterback. Um, So in terms of getting the edge rusher, which is what I thought should be the top priority going into the draft, they needed an edge rusher so bad. And they still don't really have, they have Patrick Jones, who we'll talk about later, but they currently kind of have to pencil in like DJ Wanam or Stephen Weatherly as a starter. And especially if the problem with the, with Daniel Hunter doesn't get resolved before the start of the season, they're in a bad, bad way in terms of finding a way to get pressure on the quarterback. They do not have a lot of ways to that, to, to do that. And now I think the part of the draft that can solve that problem is behind us and they still haven't solved the problem. So I think if you want to, you know, tell they, they I, I, I usually don't love trading up, but they were in a situation where they could have, but they, I guess they just weren't high on those players. And I don't have to agree with those evaluations to be able to kind of at least understand and, and acknowledge that that was probably more their process than some sort of like complacency or laziness. Right. Which I, I see a lot of people saying like, ah, oh, Rick Spielman, he's just being so lazy or He's just, what is he just taking a nap or it's like, no, come on. He's just doesn't have this. He's just not as high on those guys as you are. Doesn't think that they're worth trading up for, which, you know, has to be fair. Right. So let's talk about Kellen Mond, who is the quarterback that they ended up taking. Um, he's out of Texas A&M, and he's rah, rah, rah. That's the the whole scoop on a lot of these guys is that he's just not ready to be a starter uh, day one. He doesn't have to be for the Vikings. Of course, the Vikings are in a place where they can nurture somebody, you know, for a year or two because Kirk Cousins is under contract for a year or two. And, you know, there's just not pressure from the ownership to move on from him. So you have this nice, comfortable environment where he can learn and he can do things. And that's going to have to be the... Um, the, the, uh, rationale behind him. So, uh, boy, this is not as fun when I can't edit. Uh, This is like, I'm going to, you're going to have a lot of good pauses while I lose my train of thought. Uh, but with Kellen Mond, so the book on him is he's got a cannon of an arm, but he can't throw deep, which is a huge problem for me. He can run around, which is a huge uh, plus for me. Um, and he just needs to be a little bit better at at reading defenses, especially pre-snap, and recognizing blitzes pre-snap. So just not even close to ready to play football right now, Um, but there are some tools there that might be exciting if you can hone them, but I think there's a lot of work you have to do, too. There's a lot of assembly required here. Not only do you have to teach him, like, how to read defenses and stuff, which I think you can, right? You know, put him in the room with Kirk Cousins. Let him learn under Kirk Cousins. Guys can learn that, but you also have to Uh, teach him better mechanics. You probably have to fix his mechanics because his accuracy is bad. That'd be my guess. Now, with all of these picks, because of my power outage situation, I can't look as deep into these guys as I want to, and I'm going to have to kind of pick it back up at a later date when I've got access to all my tools. Um, So I'm I'm going off of, you know, cursory looks that I had taken before the draft at, at, you know, 200 guys. A lot of these guys, Kellen Mond I had as a day three pick. Um, Chaz Serrata had as a day three pick. Patrick Jones I had as a day three pick. So I put a day three amount of work into those guys. Um, so you're not going to have as, uh, I guess as, as clean of a take, and I'm going to have to circle back to these guys, which will be fun content later, so it's not all bad. But I think the general consensus for me on Kellen Mond is that it's really hard for me to see a world where he comes in and replaces Kirk Cousins. Now look, this is terrible news for Sean Mannion whose time as backup quarterback to the Vikings is probably over. And it is kind of interesting. It's probably good news for Jake Browning, too, because now somebody's got to be the whiteboard guy. And there's been a lot of talk about how Jake Browning's actually a pretty good whiteboard guy. He might actually be able to make the team on that basis. Um, so that'll be an interesting thing to watch in training camp. And, of course, preseason games with Kellen Mond, who does have a lot of talent and has a lot of kind of run around, and he's an impro- improviser. He's got that uh, sort of gamer quality to him, um, and that should be pretty fun in the preseason. But in terms of starting him... Uh, over Kirk Cousins, not only day one, which I don't think anybody expects, but you know, two years down the road is still kind of a dubious prospect. That's kind of where I'm at, and a lot of people are saying, "Ooh, you know, this is gonna light a fire under Kirk Cousins's butt." Now, I really meet that with a lot of skepticism. I really don't think so. Um, I I think Kirk Cousins is safe as the quarterback of the Vikings for as long as he wants, but a lot of that is born on my take that right now I don't think Kellen Mond just will ever be able to uh, rise to the level of Kirk Cousins and that's not me overrating the, the level of Kirk Cousins you know my thoughts on Kirk Cousins I'm certainly not the biggest defender of his but I just it's hard for me to see Kellen Mond rising to the level of a starting quarterback without him kind of developing more between college and the NFL Then a lot of quarterbacks develop between, you know, how they are in college and how much better they get in the NFL. He's got to take a lot of leaps in a lot of places that are pretty tough to coach. So I'm not sure I feel great about that, um, that, that pick, but there is also something to be said for just screw it. Take a swing on a quarterback. There are, is a probability that I am wrong. I'm going to go with uh, most of the time, right? But let's just – let's be really kind to me and say there's that I'm 70% 70 chance that I'm right and a 30% chance that I'm wrong, right? That's being real nice to me. Uh, If, you know, a 30% chance that I'm wrong and he's a starting quality quarterback, a 30% chance to get a starting quality quarterback is probably worth pick 66. Um, But I think – there were just more pressing issues for the Vikings to handle with that, that pick and, and issues that could have been handled with that pick. I would have taken Joseph Asai. I, I th- think he can be a day one starter in this league, and the Vikings needed a day one starter there. Kellen Mond's not going to be a day, a day one starter. He's not going to be a year one starter. Probably won't be a year two starter. Maybe he's a year three starter, or maybe by then he's out of the league. But the idea that Kellen Mond is the future of the Vikings is real presumptuous, and I, uh, I caution you not to get your hopes up. For uh, the Kellen Mond being the future of the Vikings, we got a long way to go before we can even start to guess what that will look like. For now, they picked a backup quarterback with the second pick in the draft with pick 66. They got a guy who might not see the field in purple. Now we got three more picks to talk about, so we're going to do that uh, in a bit, but first this episode is brought to you by Ten Ten, a capsule collection of diamond rings that are responsibly sourced limited edition designs at fair price points. Ten Ten is an exclusive collection of ten creative styles of diamond rings designed by ten of the most distinctive designers working today. Rings sure to bring joy into her life. Using only diamonds responsibly sourced from Botswana, ten female design masters have each produced a uniquely beautiful ring, ideal for engagement, Mother's Day, or simply a beautiful conversation piece. They're the perfect way to bring light into her life. They're available now through Mother's only on BlueNile.com. Just search the words 10x10. 10 10. The collection features high-quality, fine jewelry that will surprise and delight, and fairly priced, so you can give her something special and truly meaningful. If you're on the hunt for the perfect, unique ring she'll treasure forever, you're definitely going to want to check this out. They won't be around for long, so go find them now by searching the words 10x10 10 10 only at BlueNile.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Eugenics. Vikings fans, listen up. NuGenix, the number one selling free testosterone booster at GNC, is offering a complimentary bottle to all football fans in America. To get your complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total T, text DRAFT to 231231. It's a unique man-boosting formula powered by Testifin, which helps uh, boost free testosterone and total testosterone levels and increase energy and lean muscle mass. Plus, text now, and they'll include a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, the most powerful fat incinerator, with, with key ingredients to help you get back in shape. Absolutely free. Text DRAFT to 231231. That's DRAFT, the word DRAFT, to 231231. Message and data rates may apply. So after pick 70 or sixty six happened, it was pretty much time to just sort of sit back and let the draft come to you, right? So then at 78, the draft came to them and they selected Chaz Surratt, the linebacker out of North Carolina. Um, so uh, Candace Cooper does Locked on Tar Heels. I got to get her on this show to explain it to me because I don't get it. I really don't. I, I, I hate to be, you know, be really sour on their first two picks. I was so, I always get so excited for day two and I came away kind of not hating the process too much, you know, not trading up because they just didn't happen to be in love with this particular guy or that particular guy. I think it's fine, right? Like they're not gonna have the same board I do, but at all the picks, I think I probably would have taken somebody different except for Wyatt Davis. And this is no exception. Um, yeah, I, Chaz Surratt, I, I just don't understand it. he, doesn't know run fits at all, and he gets blown off the ball a lot. Again, I gotta watch more tape. Maybe I watch more tape and I see the what I'm missing about him. Um, I I reserve the right to rescind all the takes. Um, this is all just instant reaction. But the, a linebacker who gets blown off the ball and doesn't know run fits—it feels like you could have just kind of hung on to Eric Wilson, or or you could just like Troy Dye can do that. And <laughs> Troy Dye is better in coverage than he is in the run, and so is Chad Surratt. It feels like another Troy Dye pick, but to me, I see. A, a, a much greater probability of him turning into Troy Die, i.e. completely untenable um, than turning into somebody who actually can play linebacker, which maybe Troy Die can be, you know, uh, a little better with, the, now that he's not in his rookie year and maybe with a full off season and stuff, maybe see some development for all these guys. But I don't love the pick of Chaz Sarra. I mean, he was a quarterback two years ago. Like he has a lot to learn. And he had a lot of really good, he's, he's got a lot of athleticism. He's very rangy. He's tall. He had a ton of good uh, production in, in coverage and it's, he just, it's, it's really hard to see him getting on the field. The, the problem with a good in coverage, bad in run defense uh, linebacker is that it's hard to get that guy on the field because to get a third linebacker on the field, that's almost always against a run formation or a run heavy formation. So to be the third linebacker, you have to be good at run fits. And to, if you're going to be a coverage linebacker, you have to be good enough to start. And as Surratt cannot start, right? Like no way, please no, especially not over Barr and Kendricks. And if you think he's the eventual Anthony Barr replacement, he's got a long way to go, a long way to go. There's a lot of work to do. So, again, the first two picks are guys with a lot of work to do at, at 66 and 78, and they're just, I don't know, they're players I would have taken instead. I mean, honestly, at Chaz Surratt at 78, I probably would have taken Wyatt Davis, who they end up getting at 86, so it's hard to be too mad about that. But let's talk about Wyatt Davis. Wyatt Davis is the guard out of uh, Ohio State. Um, he is an anchoring guard, so they got one that makes sense. And that's really interesting because uh, he's got some medical concerns, so it's all about is he going to be healthy for camp? But if he is, he becomes the only guard in the room that can anchor. And that kind of lends itself to some really interesting preseason situations, where maybe uh, he he is on the second team or something like that, and you have the first team comes up, and maybe Mason Cole is starting, or they put Dakota Dozier in for the first game or something like that as like a formality, and Dakota Dozier gets blown back as he always does, and then Wyatt Davis comes in against the twos, and he anchors against every bull rush. That's kind of the, the juxtaposition you need for the Vikings to make that decision and say, Oh wow, this guy needs first team reps, or maybe he does compete for first team reps. I think we're going to see a lot of competition along the offensive line. Um, not that isn't to say that the guys, they pick the two offensive linemen they picked in Deresa and Davis are powerful guys that I think both are starting quality players right out the gate. And that's awesome. So I love this Wyatt Davis pick. This is my, this is my, uh, optimistic Homer love go get the Ohio stick. I loved Wyatt Davis, this whole draft process. You know, medicals be damned. If he misses the first three games, I don't care. He's got a—he's on a four-year deal. Um, so get, bring me the powerful guy, right? And now, if you do have an offensive lineup with Darisaw, and then probably Ezra Cleveland goes to left guard because I believe Wyatt Davis is right guard only. Um, so Davis is at right guard. you got Bradbury at center and then uh, O'Neal. Uh, Rounding out the other side. Nobody has to switch positions or anything like that. Everybody's in a little bit more of a comfortable position. Everybody's on rookie contracts, which is kind of interesting. And you've got a couple guys that can anchor against a bull rush. You've got a couple guys that are better against like finesse. And, you know, Bradbury and Cleveland and O'Neal can do all of your zone blocky, give me a, a fast line in, you know, GT sweep kind of stuff that causes, asks them all to, you know, pull out and cover a linebacker or cover a, a cornerback or something like that. You know, you've kind of got a, a, a diversity of skill sets that can be very useful schematically. I like the future of that offensive line. Now, that also implies two rookies starting day one, and that can always be a big problem, but I think I'll take rookies over Dakota Dozier, right? Um, so I guess there's that and we'll see, you know, they probably don't bring any free agents at, at offensive line now. And it also brings up kind of the conversation. And this is something I didn't talk about yesterday with Christian Deresaw. So they release Riley Reef to save cap space and they are currently slated if they don't spend any more because they're going to get seven and a half million or something like that from Kyle Rudolph in uh, on June 1st. They're going to have about 14 million in cap space. They're not going to roll over $14 million after they cut Riley Reef to save $11 million, are they? Like, that seems kind of nuts. So, I, I don't know. I, I would imagine that maybe that's how they get an edge rusher, right? And there's some edge rushers out on the market. So maybe they go get a free agent edge rusher or something like that. Um, but th- that's got to be the strategy, and that's a real interesting one. Um, but for now, at least they've gotten, you know, a couple of good, stout, solid guys. So they don't just have a constantly uh, undersized, totally soft offensive line that everybody just says, okay, well, we can just kind of bull rush for this one. Now, we'll talk about Patrick Jones next, and of course, the rest of the kind of first round stuff. We'll talk about all of the, um, all, all of the, the whether or not they should have traded down. Uh, we'll talk about some day three stuff as well. Uh, but first, let's talk about the best tasting protein bar on the planet you know is coming. Uh, they are covered in 100% chocolate. They come in a whole bunch of beautiful, indulgent flavors. They are low in calorie high in fiber, high in protein, low in sugar. They are even keto friendly. Of course it is built bar coming in f- flavors of like chocolate, raspberry and uh, raspberry cheesecake and stuff. There's like a coconut brownie chunk and chocolate peanut butter stuff. You just don't feel like you should be able to indulge in if you're trying to lose or maintain weight, but built bar has you covered. If you want to try them for yourself, you can get a lovely low calorie guilt-free snack at builtbar.com. And if you enter promo code locked 15, that's L O C K E D one five, all one, Word at builtbar.com, you can get 15% off of your next order. That's promo code LOCKED15 at builtbar.com. So, one more pick to talk about. This is uh, Patrick Jones, edge rusher out of Pittsburgh. And Patrick Jones is definitely somebody I want to look further into. So, this is a very kind of cursory. Uh, analysis is very instant reaction. But what it seems like people kind of argued the most about with Patrick Jones, or not argued the most about, but I guess the, the most inconsistent takeaway I saw on him was whether or not he was athletic. Some people said he was athletic and some people said he was just an okay athlete. So his relative athletic score, which is the Kent Lee Platt at math bomb on Twitter project of kind of uh, compositing everybody's athletic score and weight adjusting things and kind of doing athleticism smarter, um, his project rated him as like a 6.5 in athleticism. He didn't have great scores here or there, um, but he's 6'5", he's 260, That's a good edge rusher, he's got, he kind of looks the part. So you might even say he, he just is the right size for an edge rusher, but his actual tested athleticism leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, it's not bad, it's just like only okay, right? So you, with that, you've got to have a lot of polish. And he doesn't have all that much polish. His run fits could use a lot of work and he's got a couple of pass rush moves. He kind of relies on exclusively. So you probably need to expand that repertoire and you need to teach him run fits, which is like most of the thing. That's about everything edge rushers do is run fits and pass rush, right? So there's a lot to learn. And when you do learn it, how high is the ceiling? And I think that's probably the problem with Patrick Jones as a pick, but I think there's like a broader problem at at edge rusher here. They came in, pass rush is an emergency. It is DEFCON one here. They are not going to be able to get pressure on the quarterback at all, in any way. Both of their interior uh, linemen, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce are both run defenders before they are pass defenders. Daniil Hunter, he can get pressure on the quarterback. Is he going to play in 2021? I guess we'll see. And now the, the next pass rusher, is Steven Weatherly can't get pressure worth a damn. DJ Wanham is way far off for being a starting quality edge rusher. And then you got Patrick Jones, who also only has like two pass rush moves and probably like needs time to develop. So pass rush is a deep emergency. If they don't get a pass rusher before training camp, I think that is malpractice. That is absolute negligence they need to get pressure on the quarterback or they're going to be giving everybody all the time in the world and all the stuff they did about being able to like lighten the box and you know play more uh too high coverage shells and all that stuff all that greats that goes out the window if you can't get pressure on the dang guy Now, with Patrick Jones, I don't know if I'm underselling him or not. And again, I reserve the right to rescind my take on him. But at pick 90, I highly doubt that I'm going to come away and say, oh, that guy's a day one starter. Oh, he's like just as good as like Jason OA would have been or, you know, Joseph Asai, who they could have taken at 66 instead of the quarterback that won't play. So I'm sorry if I'm being too negative about their day two. And I know people like to be excited this time of year, but I'm just I'm just sour on it. And it's not the process necessarily. I think it's perfectly defensible to sit there at the picks you had and pick three guys or pick four guys in the third round. should all be good contributors and contributors are important to the team, but the, the players they picked just don't make sense to me. And, and it's not like a grander philosophy thing, right? I have no problem with taking a quarterback, even when you're not that high on, or when you feel like you're reaching on, because if he works out, you're never going to feel like you, y- there's no such thing as overpaying for a good quarterback, right? If your quarterback is good, you'll never be like, yeah, but we paid too much for him. You know, taking an athletic linebacker. Yeah, sure. Totally. It's, but those players, And maybe I just don't know enough about them. And maybe I come back and I say, wow, I was way too sour on day two. I reserve the right to do that. And you can't yell at me. Um, but if I do that, then sure. But for now, it kind of seems like they are are a little bit too willing to develop things in people. And they just kind of took guys that need a lot of work to become just okay. And I don't love that. So Again, maybe I'm wrong, but I, I don't love this day two. Maybe I'm just in a bad mood because I've been dealing with my power out all day and I'm just grouchy. Uh, we'll see how I feel later, but I guess we should talk about day three a little bit before I head out. So the Vikings have six picks coming up in uh, on day three and having 11 picks in a draft is always great because if you do whiff on half of them, you still get five or six players. That's better than most people do, right? So they still have six picks on day three and then three of them are in the fourth round. Two of them are in the fifth round. And this is interesting because uh Rick Spielman said in his post post uh draft presser on uh Friday night that he didn't think the round the the depth of the draft after like round five was very good. And that is way off what he usually says. He's usually like, oh, I love the depth of this draft. You know, we love having, we even love the undrafted free agents. And so we're going to get seventh round picks to make sure we don't have to bid on them. And and we, we just, but just not loving the depth at all and just being like, okay, well, you know, we're going to, everybody kind of after the fifth round, we, we kind of don't really know at all. That's fascinating, and so he didn't trade down like he usually would. Usually, you would be able to get a lot of value. The, the between the third and fourth round is kind of where teams tend to overpay. I guess I think it's just in that middle part where there's just a lot of disagreement about how much draft position matters between you know pick eighty and pick a hundred. Um, so if you trade from pick eighty to pick hundred, a lot of times you can get a guy to overpay, and that can get you know get a fifth and a seventh, and that's two extra players, and you know sometimes those guys turn into to, to real players for you. So usually you like to trade down out of the, the third round, or Rick likes to trade out of, down out of the third round because he thinks that the difference between 80 and 100 is not that much, and you can get a lot of picks kind of, you know, it's free real estate, it's free money, but this time he didn't do that. He's, he stood pat and he said, we're going to, so uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rick Spielman didn't trade down at all, maybe even traded up, but I don't know, I, I guess in the fourth round, I don't know who's there to trade up, and you pick at 119 anyway, so you're picking pretty early in the fourth anyways. Um, to to start, and then you've got to pick like every ten picks after that. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see if. Um if there's anything that they do trades-wise, but I wouldn't be surprised, definitely less surprised than I am tonight to see them just sort of hold and and stand pat. So we will talk about this tomorrow, Uh, rain, snow, or shine, power or not. I'll I'll come up with this crappy setup again, and and you'll have to listen to a weird muffled, distorted, echoey, not very good sound quality version of me, and I'll talk about all the day three picks. Um, But yeah, we'll be back here tomorrow, and then I'll do an undrafted free agent recap on Monday, and then I'm going to take a little bit of time off. So uh, we'll make sure that we're here to talk draft and And get all your excitement in. I'm sorry I I don't have happier takes about this draft, but I'm just not as big of a fan of these players as some people are. I would love to be proved wrong, and you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, because I, I don't want to be under, I, I feel very under-informed on these players. My instant takeaway is negative, but I do feel underinformed. So what I'm going to do is I'm probably going to dedicate for all of these players that I've just like dumped on, I'm going to dedicate a whole episode just to researching and coming up with a take on them. And I either will say, oh, wow. Okay. Now I get it. I was totally wrong. Or I say, nope, I'm sticking to my guns. This is why I feel that way. And i have a much more salient reasoning for it. And, and I'll be able to spend whole episodes on it. So that's probably what we're, we're going to do for me. We're going to talk about this draft a lot because I like to, and it's my show. So you can't do anything about it. (laughs) So Okay. I should probably sign off uh, after that. I will see you guys all tomorrow. We'll talk about day three. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL shows on Twitter at locked on Vikings. And as always skull.